Thank you so much for joining us at Remnant Church Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more or support this ministry, please go to remnantchurch.church. And now, the message from Pastor Caleb. Amen. If you have not uh, been part of CR, I encourage you to do that. It'd be great. And uh, I'm going to ask you now, we're getting ready to give, uh, get, jump into the Word. Please turn the lights on some, please. Uh, to, uh, we're going to get in the Word this morning. And I know it's been a little wild and crazy today. Uh, different things, a lot of movement going on, a lot of water splashing around, and uh, a lot of jumping up and down and shouting and all that. And that's great and that's wonderful. But now I'm going to ask you to be still. All right? Keep the moving down to a minimum. I know there's a lot of people going to the bathroom and all that. Now's the time to find a seat. And uh, you say, Pastor, you're mean. You don't know these people. I've been pastoring five and a half years. <clears throat> no. Nah. This is the most important time of the, of the, night, of the day. Amen. God's Word. And I don't take this lightly this morning. I want you to turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. This is going to seem familiar. The reason it's going to seem familiar because if you were here last Sunday, if you were here last Sunday, then you heard this text. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. I want to continue in our series, What's Love Got to Do With It? This is going to be the end of this series. What's Love Got to Do With It? First of all, I hadn't told you this, but happy Valentine's Day, right? Uh, it's Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, honey. We celebrated Friday. If you didn't know, we're going to the opening day of the Atlanta Braves game. I got a lot of flack for that. They said, I can't believe you gave your wife, t- way to go, gave your wife's tickets to the Braves game. That's for, that was for you. That wasn't for her. No, my wife loves the Atlanta Braves. And I love that my wife loves the Atlanta Braves because I love the Atlanta Braves and I love my wife. And I'd have hated to have to go without her. Amen. And uh, so I want to say happy Valentine's Day to you. I also want to say this. I know that for some of you, Valentine's Day is not a good day. It's a hard day. For a lot of you, Valentine's Day is a hard day because the person you love maybe has passed away. You know that, right? You know. So that's hard for you. And, or maybe, maybe you're in a season of singleness today and you hate Valentine's Day right now. That's okay. You hate it. You hate to see it on Facebook. You hate all the mushy stuff. That's okay. I'm glad you're here today. It's important that you're here today. So I'm glad you're here today. And then there's some of you who love Valentine's Day. And we know you love Valentine's Day because it's all over social media. And you're telling us about the time you first met and all that. And I'm surprised you're here today. I just really am because I thought you'd be doing something else. I don't know. But here you are. So I'm excited about God's Word. We're all here today. Most important thing, God's here today. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. I want you to look at what it says. I love this text. Put it up on the screen, guys, where I don't have to turn my Bible. And you have he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sin. I want you to stop just right right there. I'm going to preach today the gospel. The gospel of Jesus. And, And to understand the gospel, you've got to understand who you were before you encountered Jesus. And you weren't just a bad person. 
or an okay person or uh, a person that you know you need to get, you know, you knew you, knew you need to get better and so you're going to get better and, and so and part, Jesus is part of you getting better. No, look what the Bible says. You were dead. Now you better listen, listen to me now. Give me just a few minutes. You were dead in trespasses and in sin. You were dead. You were lost. Here's the, here, here's the, the part of it you really need to understand. You were dead and you didn't even know you were dead. You were lost and didn't even know you were lost. Men, have you ever been lost and, and your wife was riding around in the car with you? Maybe you had some family in the car, some friends. And you were lost, but you, you knew you were lost because you turned off the GPS, because you thought you knew a shortcut or somehow, you know, you were smarter than the GPS. So, and you take the turn and now you have no idea where you're at, but you know you're lost. Ever been there? Well, that's one thing. But what if you're lost and you don't know you're lost? And that's who we were before we, we received Jesus. We were lost. We didn't know we were lost. We were dead. We didn't even know we were dead. We were dead in trespasses and in sins. Next verse. Where in times past, before we got saved, so in the past, before we got saved, we walked according to the course of this world. That, that means the wind, the way the wind blows. When it talks about the course of the world, your life is driven by the wind. Well, who's blowing the wind? The next part of that verse says, according to the prince and the power of the air. That's Satan. So when you're dead in trespasses and sin, you're not just doing what you want to do. You're actually doing what the enemy wants you to do. You're actually being blown about and, and Satan is blowing you around and you're doing what Satan wants you to do. That's what it says. And then it says, a spirit that now worketh in the children of, of, of obedience, disobedience. That's who we were. Verse 3. And then it says, before we got saved, among whom also we all, and I told you to circle, circle that, underline all, because it's important, had our that word conversation should be lifestyle. We had our lifestyle in, the in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we're by nature children of wrath, even as others. So before we got saved, we were, being, we were dead. We were being blown around. Imagine this now. Picture this in your mind. I'm a dead man being blown around by Satan. He's leading me and directing me. I'm all I'm worried about is me. Come on, somebody. Before you got saved, all you was worried about is me. If you're still only worried about you, you're probably not saved. I'm worried about me. The lust of the flesh, I have this intense desire to do what my flesh wants me to do. So I spend my days doing what the flesh wants me to do, what I want to do, and what my mind tells me to do. And then the Bible says, and we were nature, by nature, children of wrath. Oh, this is important. The reason this is important is because the Bible says we deserve wrath. And we are the children of wrath. When you're dead in your sins, you are children of wrath. That means when you grow up, wrath is what you would receive. For those who are not saved, for those who are dead in trespasses and in sin, wrath belongs to you. That's what the Bible says. So here we talked about you're dead, you're lost, you're being blown around and about, you're living for you. 
and wrath belongs to you. Next verse. But God. Ah, oh, come on, somebody. But God. Anybody thankful for those places? You, you have, you've had some but God places in your life. I was headed down this road of destruction. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who to call on. It seemed like I had lost all hope. I'm, I'm, I'm telling somebody's story. But God, huh? I'm so thankful there's an Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4, a but God moment in my life. It says, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. What's love got to do with it? Everything. Next verse. When did he love us? What? This blows my mind, y'all. Surely after we get baptized, I mean, you, you swallow your pride. You come down here and you get in water that 20 other people's already been dunked in. Surely after you pay that price. <laughs> and this water was clear. <laughs> Don't worry, we poured bleach in it to kill all the germs. And I'm serious as a heart attack. Uh, surely God showed us his love after we get baptized or we start going to church or we start reading the Bible. No. God loved us, listen, while we were dead. Well, that's why I love the gospel of Jesus. That he didn't wait till I got it all right. He waited, he didn't wait at all. Right in the middle of my mess, Jesus died for me. When did he show me this love? When we were dead in sins. This morning I got four points. Listen, I'm in love with the gospel. I made my, my, made my mind up that I'm only going to preach the gospel. I mean, I could preach things that make you excited, uh, make you want to celebrate. Uh, and I have, I have listened to some of my messages from the past. And I talked a lot, but I said very little. Now in my ministry and my preaching, I want to say very little, but at the same time, say a whole lot. I'm in love with the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good, the good news. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone who believes. I'm in love with the gospel. I love the gospel. But listen, for you to understand the gospel, you're going to have to understand the gospel is a gospel first. The gospel is first. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by that? The gospel is first. For you to understand the gospel, you're going to have to understand, yes, it's a present gospel. Yes, it's a future gospel. But it's also a past tense gospel. 
What do I mean by that? For God so loved, past tense, the world. For you to understand the gospel, you've got to understand the gospel was given to you. Jesus died for you. Jesus gave his life for you before you wanted to get things right. Before you ever decided to go to church. Before he was on your mind, you were on the mind of God. To understand the gospel, you've got to understand God did this thing first. gospel is a first. It's first. The Bible tells us this. The Bible tells us that I didn't choose him. He chose me. John, 1 John 4, 19, we love him. Are y'all listening to me? Because he first loved us. Until you understand that the gospel is first, you'll never be in love with Jesus. And that's what God wants. God doesn't want just some Christian to check the box or someone just to go to church or someone who loves church. He wants someone who is in love with him. Someone who loves him. In order, in order to love God, you've got to love the, understand that the gospel loves first. I say, I'm in love with the gospel because the gospel is in love with me. The gospel is first. Point number two, you've got to understand this. Oh, the gospel is substitutionary. Don't, don't get hung up on that word. I know y'all are amazed I even know that word. I can see y'all like, who told him that? The gospel is substitutionary. Simply what it means is God did something in my place that I couldn't do for myself. Christ gave himself to suffer and die in the place of you and I. Me and you. In order to bear the full penalty of sin. Let me just... Break it down to you. Jesus died on the cross. He was pinned on the cross. Nails driven in his wrists. Not his hands because his hands couldn't hold the weight. Nails driven in his wrists. In his wrist to hold him. Nails driven in his uh, feet. Stripped naked. Hanging on that cross that he did not deserve. And before he ever went to the cross, he took a beating that would have killed me and you. And they stripped him, strapped him, stripped him, and strapped him to a whipping post. And there they beat him until he was unrecognizable. Could not even carry his own instrument of death. They had to get someone to help him. He gets the cross up to Golgotha's hill. They place him on that cross, suspended between heaven and earth. And he endured the pain and he endured the shame. And you've got to understand that cross belonged to us. But God sent his son to take my place. Oh, I love this. I love this. I, here's the thing. He, he took it. He took my place. So his cross becomes my cross. But his tomb 
also became a tomb. But his resurrection became my resurrection. You know, when we baptize, some of you may be a little confused about that and all that takes place here. This doesn't save you. If you think baptism saves you, you don't understand the gospel. The gospel is not works. It's not anything me and you do. It's simply believing in Christ Jesus. That's all it is. I can show you hundreds, not hundreds, I can show you tens of verses that say it's by grace through faith. So what is baptism about? It, it paints a picture, man. People, I've heard people talk about this kind of represents a person going down, they're dirty and they, they go down in this water and they come up and then they're clean. And it's a picture of the blood of Jesus washing us. And that's, that's fine. That's great. I think about it a little different. When we're seated, standing here, that's us being crucified with Christ. I don't look at this water as the blood. I look at this water as a grave. As a tomb. And when you go down, you're crucified with Christ, Galatians 2 and 20 says. And when you go down, you're buried with Him. All the old stuff stays down. All the sin, all your past, all your failure stays down. Now this is what happened to you on the inside, you see. And then when you come up out of this water, come out of this watery grave, and you come out brand new creation in Christ Jesus. Leaving all the past. Leaving all the sin. Leaving who you used to be and what you used to do and where you used to go. Down in the tomb. Down in the watery grave. And all things, old things have passed away. And all things have become new. Hallelujah. So, the gospel is first. The gospel is substitutionary. But hear me now. The gospel is done. Mm, this is my favorite part. Hebrews chapter uh, 10, I believe. Verse 11. The writer of Hebrews is talking about the Old Testament priest compared to the New Testament priest. But listen to it. He says, every priest stands by day after day ministering and offering the same sacrifices. Time after time. This is the Old Testament. This is the Old Covenant he's talking about. Uh, when, when, when men were priests and they offered animal sacrifices once a year for sins to be covered. Not eradicated, just covered. And they would have to do these animals for the, each individual person. And it was tiresome. And they, it'd take all day long offering the same sacrifices time after time, look, which can never take away sins. The next verse. But this man, Jesus, 
But this man, after offering one sacrifice for sins forever, are you listening to me? Sat down at the right hand of God, offering one sacrifice for sins. And now he's sitting forever at the right hand of God. The gospel is done. And then I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. We'll tie it in together. The Bible says Jesus is seated now, seated at the right hand of God. When he was on the cross, remember, the Bible says he took upon all our sins. He bore all the sins of all of us, all of us, all of our sin upon his body. He took the wrath that belonged to me and you. On that cross, he took our place. Oh, this is amazing. But then, after he took the sin and he bore the sin upon his body and he endured the shame and he endured the pain, it was so bad that even the S-U-N, the sun, turned and looked away. Darkness covered the face of the earth. Why? Because your sin is so dark. Our sin is terrible. Our every bit of envy and jealousy and malice, hatred, all of that he took upon his body. One last time before he died on that cross, he pushed himself up, pulled himself up. Can you imagine? Pulling on those nails, pushing with his feet on those nails. He didn't have a board up under there to hold him up like our, our, our plays, our Easter plays show. He had no board holding him up. He pushed on those spikes. So he could get air into his lungs one last time. And he cried out, It is finished. What was finished? His job of taking our place, bearing our sin, enduring the wrath of God. He cried out, It is finished. And God accepted the sacrifice. And then the Bible says he's seated at the right hand of God. Now look what it says about where we're at. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him. It's done. See, once we place our faith in Christ, the work Jesus done is done. And he says, there's nothing else you need to do. You can't earn it. You can't, you, can't, you can't do enough to receive it. This gospel is a done gospel. And because I am sitting at the right hand of God, you, because I'm resting, you can rest too. It's a love seat. Jesus scooted over and you're sitting by him. You might as well go ahead and get your mind there. Because that is good as done. He who starts a work in you will see it to its completion. It's finished. Scoot over, Jesus. I'm sitting there with you. You know, it's funny. It's funny that the, that the disciples would argue, who gets to sit by Jesus? Remember that, Mike? Can we sit by Jesus? And the whole time, they wouldn't understand it. 
But Jesus was doing a work that said, not only can you sit by me, but you can sit by me, 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 you can sit with me, you can you can sit with me, you can Hallelujah. It's a done gospel. It's a gospel is first. Okay, the gospel is substitutionary. Okay, the gospel done. Here's my last point. The gospel is for you. The gospel is for you. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Whosoever, do you hear the words? Whosoever believes on me. It ain't a work. It's a rest. All you who are heavy laden and burdened down, who've been working, trying to figure it out, trying to make everything work because you know there's something missing in your life and you know that you're missing something and you try to make it work and you want to improve yourself. That's a heavy burden, ain't it? That's a heavy weight, ain't it? Knowing laying down at night, knowing you're missing the mark and not having peace. That's a heavy thing. That's weighty. That's burdensome. Come unto me. All you who are laden, who are burdened down, come unto me and I will give you rest. If you're going to give God praise, give God praise. Ephesians would go on to say, chapter 2, I believe it's verse 10. It says that he who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin so that we could become righteousness. Of God. I don't understand why anybody wouldn't want this today. I don't understand, understand why anybody wouldn't want this gospel today. I don't understand why anybody, what is it about the gospel that you don't like? Is it the peace part? The joy part? The part that he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That I, whatever you go through, I'll go through it with you. And when you come out on the other side, it'll be because I came out on the other side. What part of the gospel don't you like? Is it the forgiveness of all sin? You want somebody to hold a grudge against you? You know what that feels like. You know what a hold, somebody holding a grudge against you feels like. Seeing Christ, you have total forgiveness. You're totally saved. You're completely victorious. What is it about the gospel that you don't like? What is it about Jesus that you don't like? And I'm serious when I'm asking you that. 
Because I want to give you the opportunity not to put it off, not one more second, not one more day, not one more moment. You don't know what tomorrow brings. You don't know what this afternoon looks like. You don't know what after you walk out of this building looks like. You don't know what the next moment second looks like. Do you really believe this? I believe it with every fiber in my being. The more, the longer I believe this, the less I believe other stuff. The, the more other stuff seems to not even make any sense. This makes sense to me. This is the truth. I believe it with every fiber in my being. And like Paul, I'm not above and be on falling on my knees and persuading you and begging you to make it right with God today. You heard Pastor Ronnie say today, 77 years old. That is unheard of. The first thing he did when he, he came to was say, Jesus, I believe in you. Forgive me of every sin. You say, is that man saved? He's just as saved as the most saved person in this building. Whoever you think that might be, there is no levels of salvation. Today you can come in here a sinner and you walk out of here a saint. It's all level ground at the foot of the cross. So I'm asking you right now. I'm begging you. You see, the Bible says, despite my, whether I beg or not, and I will, that won't do it. The most well-rehearsed sermon won't do it. The Bible says his father has to draw his children. And I want you to listen to me and I want you to, is there someone in here right now who feels the Spirit of God drawing you? You feel the Spirit of the Lord drawing you. Don't you take, don't you take it for granted. Don't you take it for granted. Because the Bible says if you take it for granted, then what you're saying is Christ died in vain. Okay. It's the altar call. Christ died in vain. He said, if you do not accept me, what you're saying is I died in vain. What you're making is a sacrifice, not a sacrifice, but a murder. When you say, I don't need it, Jesus was it sacrifice? You're saying Jesus was murdered. And I'm telling you, Jesus wasn't murdered. Jesus gave up his life for you as a substitute to do something for you that you could not do for yourself. And I'm asking you today. Come on, music. Get in place quick. Get in place quick. Let's go. Stand with me all across the building. No, I don't want nobody leaving for just a moment. I ain't going to hold you here. I'm not going to do anything to you, but I just don't want any confusion. I want you to look at me right here. This is the most important thing that will ever take place. You know why this man's down at the altar? Because he felt the Spirit of God drawing him. <laughs> Forget the former altar, former uh, uh, altar calls and all those things. Listen, when the Spirit of God's drawing you, you don't have time to wait. And you know what? I believe God's dealing with some more people. The ice has already been broken. I'm begging you. Come to Jesus. 
Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. If you don't know him, come to Jesus. If you don't know this, this, this gospel that I'm talking about, come to Jesus. If God's drawing you, come to Jesus. Come. Come. What are you waiting on? What is it? And I'm asking you. I'm begging you. This is a life or death situation. It is. It's a life or death situation. Hold on just a second. What Jesus done on the cross, he endured. Should have been me. Should have been us. But you know what would have happened to us? We would have just died. That his death brought life to me. There's a story in the Bible, and I'm going to close. This man was paralyzed. It's found in the Gospels of Jesus Christ. He's paralyzed, and he can't. His life is hard. There's hardly anything he can do and almost nothing for himself. He heard that Jesus was coming. You see, he heard that Jesus was coming. And it didn't matter how bad he wanted to get to Jesus, he couldn't get to Jesus because he was paralyzed. But the Bible says he had four good friends. And these four friends came to the paralyzed man. They said, paralyzed man, we're going to get you dressed now. And we're going to put you on this stretcher and we're going to take you to Jesus. Well, they got him dressed, they loaded him up, and they went to take him to Jesus. When they got to the house where Jesus was, the house was so full that old paralyzed man probably said, just take me home. Probably most of the friends said, just take me home. But there was one friend that said, why don't we take him up on the roof and drop him down right in front of Jesus? And that's what they done. They got him on the stretcher mark. They put him up on the roof. They dropped him down through the roof right in front of Jesus. And you know what Jesus done? He didn't get mad. He didn't say, man, you're messing up my service. You're messing up my teaching. Nuh-uh. He healed his body. And he saved his soul that day. I don't know what seems paralyzed in your life. and I don't. Maybe it's so hard for you to even come up here today because you feel paralyzed in spirit. But I'm asking for somebody to be a friend today. And what I mean by that is I want you to ask the person to the left of you, or to the right of you. And I just want you to ask them because they may feel paralyzed. Does that make sense? In spirit. But you know the Father is drawing you. I want you to be a friend today. 
And I want you to ask the person beside you, if you need to go to the altar, I'll go down with you. Do that right now. Do it right now. I know it seems awkward. Ask them. If you need to come to Jesus, I'll go with you. Come on. Stand right here. Stand right here. Come on. Sir, stand right here. Who else? Who else? Who else? See, this is life or death. These people right here have made the best decision they'll ever make. This is a miracle. This is the salvation of God. Right now, is there anybody else? They're going to sing this song. They're going to sing this song. Sing it, champion. They're going to sing it one time through. They're going to play this song, and while they're playing it, if you need to come down, some have already came. One's already came. If you need to come down, I'm asking you. I'm begging you. Sing it, Josh. Sing it, Josh. You are my champion. Oh, God. And giants fall when you stand Oh, come on. Every battle you Here's the thing about the Lord. He'll say, come on up. Come on up. Hallelujah. You receiving the Lord Jesus today? Are you receiving the Lord Jesus today? I am. <laughs> Y'all are saved. Y'all are saved. This is a miracle. Uh, I'll never forget. And I'll just stand there just a second. I'll never forget. I was saying, this is a miracle. Just like that. This is a miracle. And I remember this man in his 50s. Tears rolling down his face. And he looked at me and he said, it is. This is a miracle. You see, what I took from that was, you don't know me. <laughs> That's what he was saying. You don't even understand. I know you're saying it's a miracle, but I'm telling you, it is a miracle. It's a miracle today. We're all fixing to say a prayer. You're already saved. You know why? Because you felt the drawing of the Spirit and you stepped out to Jesus today. You didn't step out to a church. You didn't step, you stepped out to Jesus today. But we're going to pray this prayer and we're going to believe it. And if you believe it, two people already got saved this morning in the 9 o'clock service. If you believe it, just like they did, if you believe what you pray today, you are saved. I want all of us, everybody in this seat, we're going to say it in the seats. We're going to say it together. Up on this stage, we're going to say it together. And we're going to say it with boldness. Because we have boldness in Christ. We're going to say it. You're going to pray it.
And if you believe it, you will be <laughs> saved. Are you ready? Say, Lord, here I am. I've heard the word, and it was for me. I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. I need you. Forgive me of all my wrongs, all my sins, my past. I give it to you. I give you my life. I'm going to live for you. I know that today is a miracle. That you reach down from heaven just for me to get my attention to draw me to yourself I receive your mercy I receive your forgiveness I believe you died for me and you rose again for me so that I could live forever now today Valentine's Day 2021, I am saved. Come on, give God a shout. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. If you were, please feel free to share on social media, subscribe, or leave us a review. We can't wait for you to join us here again.